Podcast about anything and everything, weather, science, earth science, and from time to time, archived episodes like today because we have such a great pool of programs from the past that from time to time we just want to pull out some of the best of the best, especially for brand new Weather Jazz listeners. Well, I am the creator and the host of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 324 for Friday, April 29th, 2022. This is it. This is the last Friday in the month of April. We're looking at a brand new startup month, May on Sunday. Get ready as we embrace more and more and more of spring. You know, things are starting to green up quite nicely on all of the area trees. The tulips, the hyacinths, the daffodils, they're all sprouting up. The tulips in the Fox 8 front yard, our outdoor weather set, just about ready to absolutely explode with tulip color. We know what the bud's color would be. As they are showing their petals, they're literally just days away from opening up. All it will take is a little extra coaxing from some sunny days like we're seeing right now. And who knows, for all I know, going to the station later this afternoon, we may be treated to that. Now, I posted a photo on my Instagram account. So if you'd like to see those tulips literally no more than days away from exploding in full bloom color. Check it out. At Andre Bernier is my handle. All one word, all lowercase. And that's at Instagram. Well, we had a record low temperature this morning, Friday morning. Oh, did I give you a proper Friday greeting? Happy Friday. And there you have it. The official Friday greeting. Record low this morning in Baltimore. It was 32 degrees this morning, and this breaks the Baltimore record for today's date, April the 29th, and the old record was 33 set in, well, actually, 148 years ago, 148 years ago, 1874. In other words, nobody alive today has seen a colder April 29th morning just Kind of think about that. Let that roll around in your head for a little bit. And in addition to that, in Cleveland on Wednesday, we had the coldest daytime maximum temperature ever recorded on that date, which was April the 27th. The old record was 47, set twice, once in the 1940s, once in the 1950s, and we smashed that record. 
42 the old record. And on Wednesday, we just about hit 40. 40. So we smashed that record by two degrees. The coldest April 27th daytime high temperature ever in Cleveland. Okay, just think about that for a while. Just kind of keep that in mind. But that's not the only place. Mount Washington. This morning, six degrees above zero. That will be a brand new record low temperature. The old record was seven degrees. Believe it or not, from 2012. So those two records for today's date are relatively recent. And of course, today's record of six makes 2022 the coldest day ever seen on Mount Washington on April the 29th. Oh boy, lots of cold records to talk about today. And one more note before we take a break is the fact that there's a ski area in the Adirondacks of New York, Gore Mountain. I find that name rather ironic for a lot of reasons. Gore Mountain in the Adirondacks of New York, open. They're still open. In fact, they will be open until Sunday, May 1st, and that's when they will close for the season. So why is that such big news? Well, this will be the latest date on which Gore Mountain remained open for any ski season. They've never been open this late until this year. The latest they have ever been open in their history was April 22nd. So it's not by just a day. It's more than a week. It's almost 10 days from their latest ever. And they're going to be open for the last time for this ski season on Sunday, May 1st. Wow. Lots of interesting news out there. I will let you draw your own conclusions about those little pieces of information. Let's just say that I, for one, will not be planting, as much as I'd like to, by the way, planting a palm tree in my backyard in Northeast Ohio. Not in my lifetime, nor in many, many lifetimes to come. I'm going to move south to claim that palm tree, perhaps someday. When we come back, we're going to finish part two of a two-part series that we highlighted last Friday. We went up to Alaska to talk to the owner of Hot Licks. They are an ice cream manufacturing facility in Fairbanks, Alaska. Truly interesting, especially given the fact that both Alaska and Rhode Island are the two states in first place, a tie for first place for per capita consumption of ice cream. No kidding. And by the way, yesterday, Thursday, the temperature in Fairbanks was in the low 50s, and the temperatures in Cleveland, Ohio, stuck in the 40s. It was warmer in Fairbanks, although I do use that term quite loosely here. Warmer in Fairbanks than it was in Cleveland yesterday on uh, April the 28th. All right, when we come back, we'll go back in time and get reacquainted with the ice cream manufacturing business in Fairbanks, Alaska. We'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. And when I come back after we highlight our archive episode from season one of Weather Jazz, and by the way, that's from 2008, I'll have a special announcement. And of course, as I always like to do, brag on all of my supporters here on Weather Jazz. But for right now, let's rewind the clock back to 2008 with my conversation with the owner of an ice cream manufacturing facility in Fairbanks, Alaska. Here we go. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned that your the dairy from which you get uh, your dairy products to make the ice cream is in Oregon. And, and I had to chuckle when I read on your website, there aren't too many cows that live in Alaska. So obviously, you've got to get your dairy from somewhere else. Tell us about your dairy. Why did you pick this one dairy in Oregon? Well, in our in our uh, whole ice cream career here, we've we've had a total of three dairies, and this is the, the third. And we we tried some of the dairies, and they the problem was just exactly that: there's not enough cows and not not enough uh, milk and cream production. Um, there's a dairy that's about a hundred miles uh, east of us. And that's Northern Lights Dairy. They they made a, a nice uh, ice cream mix for us, but even then uh, they were had to ship up the cream from Oregon. They were getting enough milk, but not quite enough cream to produce our mix. So the the cream was coming up from Oregon anyway. Mm-hmm. And they they made our ice cream mix. But mix is is what we call uh, it's the the liquid ice cream before you freeze it. It's got our recipe is uh, milk, cream, sugar, and egg yolk. And it's about a 2% egg yolk, about 12% sugar, and it's a 16% butter fat. To be called ice cream, legal requirements would say 10% is the minimum. Uh, if it's less than 10%, you, you don't use the term ice cream. Uh, in the old days, they used ice milk. Mm-hmm. don't see that term used much anymore. It would be dairy or frozen dessert or dairy product, dairy dairy cream, or I, I don't know but Ice cream is not used until it's 10% or higher. And then the, the premium ice cream, super premium, would be considered 16 to 18% butter fat, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's our, our product is um, coming from the, it was made by the uh, Northern Lights Dairy and up until the time that they just weren't being able to make the amount that we needed. And then we tried two, two dairies in Oregon. Um, and this one just seemed to be the most consistent quality and, and, uh, and the product was, was best. You, you can't go to a really large dairy and ask them to produce a specific formula, a specific recipe for you. It has to be a fairly small dairy that, you know, we, we only buy 500 gallons at a time. And the, the really large dairies are not going to custom make 500 gallon order for you, mm-hmm. but for us, um, a small dairy that was, uh, you know, raising their own cows and raising the food for their cows. It's not technically considered uh, organically grown because they they don't go through all the regulations or all the um, all the organic hoops. Uh, yeah, to to be certified for that. But they, we visited the the dairy and we know that they're really concerned about the the health of their cows. They they grow. About 90% of the feed that they give their cows, they grow themselves, they care for the cows, they don't ever use any growth hormones or any um, antibiotics, 
unless the cow is sick, they'll, they'll use antibiotics. But for healthy cows, they don't routinely give them any drugs at all. Good for them. And they have never added a cow to their for the for the past 30 years. There's never been an outside animal brought in. They mm-hmm. just raise their own animals and raise their own feed for them. And because we we you know really appreciated the the care that they gave the animals and how they ran the the farm, and we like the, the quality of the product we're getting from them. We we stick with them. And Great. Jeff, uh, one last question for you. Uh, I know you're a busy man and I have to get that store ready for a spring opening. So uh, we'll uh, let you get on your way. But first, tell me about some of your flavors that are key to hot licks. And I see some of them on your menu. I have them up on the screen right now. One of them is Aurora Borealis. We just named that, you know, after the Northern Lights Aurora Borealis. The Aurora has been pretty slow this year. It's a I think it runs on a, about a 20-year cycle, mm-hmm. and it's at a low point now. It's not not real active. So some of the visitors that come to see them have been less than uh, than pleased this this past winter. I think it's going to be improving soon. Aurora Borealis is a it's a vanilla ice cream with fruit puree, a uh, puree made with uh, wild. Uh, Alaska blueberries. These are not cultivated berries, but just uh, wild berries that are brought into us. And um, that's swirled into the vanilla ice cream along with some cranberry, some Alaska cranberry puree, also swirled into the ice cream. So it gives it kind of a red, blue, purple swirl in a vanilla ice cream. It's a very popular flavor for us. The other two flavors that we make with Alaska wild berry is just uh, straight Alaska blueberry and Alaska cranberry, and then the Aurora Borealis would be the three berry flavors that we make. And we also make one, um, actually there's one more called Boreal Bliss that we used to make. And we haven't, we didn't make any last season. It wasn't a good season for um, for birch syrup, but we take uh, Alaska birch syrup and um, flavor the ice cream with that and put some uh, cranberries in there. Ooh, that sounds really nice. Now, I've never had birch syrup before. I've read about it. It's along the same lines of maple syrup, except that it comes from the birch tree. Comes from birch trees. And it's actually, I think, with the, the gallons, it takes even more sap. No, I can't remember the quantities now. I, I'm thinking maple syrup, it's like 40 gallons of sap to make a gallon of syrup, approximately that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and with the birch, it takes even more sap. I don't know if it was... 60 gallons, it makes the cost of the syrup even greater because you need more sap to make the same quantity of syrup. Mm -hmm. It's distinct flavor. It's not, it doesn't really taste like uh, maple syrup, although it's made, you know, similar process and it's the sap of a birch tree instead of a a maple tree, but it's uh, it's a sharp flavor. It's it's a little different from birch. It's, It's strong and Pouring it on pancakes like you would maple syrup, I don't care for it as much. But in the ice cream, it gives a, a very nice flavor, and we're really um, happy with that one when we get it. So birch syrup is a, a, a bit more of an acquired taste. Well, you could say that. Yeah, it's it's strong, it's stronger, and it's yeah, it's. I guess you could say it's more of an acquired taste than the maple syrup. Yeah, maybe so. And you've got two more flavors that uh, caught my eye, Nanook, Nosh, and Prudhoe. 
uh, both of which obviously have an Alaska connection, in at least in terms of a name. The, the Prudhoe is, is named after Prudhoe Bay, which is the, the uh, beginning point of the uh, Trans-Alaska Pipeline. Mm-hmm. wife might be in that camp, uh, Jeff. Well, yeah, most people will take a choice number two, but occasionally with Prudhoe, if it's not Prudhoe, it's, it's, they don't want it. They just they just leave. So we, we try to have that one most of the time. Uh, and then the, the Nanoknos um, was made for the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Their, um, their mascot is a Nanook, which is the polar bear. I guess that's uh, a Nupiat name for polar bear is, is Nanook, and that's their that's their mascot. They, they came up with that name. I they wanted an ice cream made specially for for them at the university, and I brought them about six samples of just a variety of flavors. Um, and this, then they chose chose one, and they named it Nanook Nash, and it's available in the shop and also by the pint. They sell it up on campus and they sell it in the grocery stores. It's uh, a caramel flavor. Uh, it's got some caramel in the ice cream and then some semi-sweet chocolate specs. We pour in melted chocolate into the machine while it's cranking. We make it you know, by the batch. So every time we make ice cream, we'll make uh, 12 gallons at a time. And we pour in about six pounds of melted bittersweet chocolate into the caramel flavor ice cream. It's a little tiny chocolate speck of bittersweet chocolate in the caramel. Uh, stop it, Jeff. You're making me uh, salivate wildly. <laughs> that's a popular flavor, too. That's, that's a real nice one. Yeah. It all sounds uh, just heavenly and decadent. And uh, I'll tell you what, we certainly would love to follow up with you uh, at the end of the summer and ask how things went. But you've been such a delight. Uh, to have on the program, and uh, very interesting stuff. We wish you well with your new store, and will it be called Hot Licks, or is it going to be called something else? Oh, no, this will be called Hot Licks. It's uh, mm-hmm. same name. The two locations are a good distance apart. They're about six miles apart from each other. The seasonal shop is right at the base of the hill. The, the campus is up on the hill at the University of Alaska, and then we're on College Road um, just down the hill from campus. That one is the, the outdoor seating uh, area from April through September. And then this other one is in the Tina Pump Plaza Mall. We're in good company here. We have, uh, we have an excellent uh, restaurant called Lemongrass. Uh, there's, a, there's a restaurant bar called Red Fox. And then there's a Taekwondo, very busy uh, Taekwondo uh, dojo here, tanning, suntan booth and a video store. They're all long-term businesses that have been very successful. We're in good company in this mall. We're happy to be here. Really neat. And uh, how close is your brother's jazz club uh, from the two stores that you have? Oh, I'd say that's about another five miles down the highway in the direction of Anchorage. Anchorage is about 
380 miles away, and they're about five miles down the road headed towards Anchorage on the uh, Parks Highway. So I hope you can make it up in the summertime sometimes, and I'll certainly give you a, a Sunday or banana split or a shake. <laughs> We're okay. And then we'll go out to the Blue Loon and have a beer in the evening. That'll be nice if you can do it. That would be a delightful thing. Alaska is a state that is definitely on my to-visit list. And when we come, you can bet that we will be at your restaurant and at your uh, your ice cream facility, and we'll sample some stuff together, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Jeff, you've been a real delight, and again, thanks for being on Weather Jazz. Okay, thanks. I appreciate the, the invitation, and I look forward to meeting you when you get up here. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, a look back at a pretty decent archived episode from 2008, what in my opinion has been one of the more interesting episodes because of the content. Again, I scream in Alaska, most people don't really think of that, but there's a good reason to talk about ice cream in Alaska. I'm sure I'll come up with some interesting angles of new topics in the very near future. But here's the special announcement I wanted to make and let you all in on the fact that over the course of the last few weeks, I've been rather overwhelmed with a number of things going on, not the least of which has been an interim pastorate. I've been very honored to take that position and help the folks at New Promise Church in Kirtland, Ohio, So between that and my meteorology position at WJW Television and producing segments for Weather Jazz, I am going to put Weather Jazz on a one-week hiatus. So next week, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, kind of recollect, get some ideas. And I would love to hear from you, by the way. This is going to be a good time for you to do that. So I'll tell you how to get in touch with me and how to make some suggestions in just a second. But suffice to say, for all of next week, unless we have some really unusual weather circumstance that dictate that a program should be done, I will be taking all of next week off, the first full week of May. So the next program that you will be downloading will be on Monday, May 9th, unless, again, there's something that either warrants my attention or deserves a weather episode, a special weather episode. Okay, how do you get in touch with me? Again, this is a great time. Get those juices flowing. Tell me what it is you'd like to hear on Weather Jazz. I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, weatherjazz at yahoo.com. Or you can call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line and leave me a voicemail. The number is 234-525-5888. And if you're in a place where you can't transcribe that information, no problem. Just go to weatherjazz.com and click on the Contacts tab at the very top. And both of those avenues will come down in that drop-down box. And you can transcribe them and then use them. Again, an email and a telephone number. Both are available. I listen to or read every single message and or voicemail that comes into both of both of those communication avenues. Time for me now 
to brag on my supporters. I am so grateful for you. For those of you that step alongside of weatherjazz.com to make it possible to make the program the best that it can possibly be without your help and without these folks, Weather Jazz would be a shade of what it is today. My thanks to Andrea Rich from Tennessee, Rose Moore from Ohio, Christine Barnes from Ohio, Will and Tonya Kraus and family from Ohio, and Dale Osborne, also from Ohio. From Florida, Bill Martin, and from Vermont, Kian Galunas and Victoria Singer. Again, I am indebted to each and every single one of you for allowing me to make Weather Jazz the kind of program that it is today. Well, if you're listening to Weather Jazz via one of the many podcast apps available, remember to subscribe. That way, you can automatically download every episode as I make them available. By the way, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, or plan to visit, or simply traveling through, you can catch my 5 and 6 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television Fox 8, or online by clicking on the Watch tab at the top of weatherjazz.com if you live in a time zone other than the eastern time zone of the U.S., make sure that you make the adjustment that you need to watch during the 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. hour. One more note, a programming note for tonight on Fox 8 News at 6 p.m. We will be giving you our official summer weather outlook. And yes, we'll have Scott Sable back on the program when we return from our one-week hiatus, and we'll go into greater detail as to what we think we will be seeing in Northeast Ohio and really across the whole country. So if you live in another part of the USA, we'll have you covered. We're going to give you a nice broad brush of the entire U.S., unlike Fox 8 tonight, where we're really hyper-localizing all of the weather flavors that we will encounter as we step through and closer and closer to summer, meteorological summer, being June, July, and August, coming up tonight, Fox 8 News at 6. Well, have a great start to your May. We'll see you again on Monday, May 9th, right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe.